It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Coming up on this episode, it's Clark Stinks time. I'm also going to talk about how Walmart and other big boxes look like they've saved Christmas. So speaking of stores I love also, Costco has a deal if you're not a Costco member and you're considering being one. They give you a $30 Costco shop card on a new executive membership or a $10 on a regular membership. You can see the link to get this deal that cuts the cost of your membership by a decent amount at ClarkDeals.com. And I wanted to tell you that I'm going away. I'm going on vacation for Thanksgiving. So that means a vacation from the podcast next week. And we will be back on November 29th with the podcast after today. So with that having been said, Krista, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Are you going to cook a turkey? We are. My parents are coming. My daughter's home from college. So, yes, lots of cooking. I'm taking the week off, too. Just going to relax and spend time with everybody. So I'll go and I'll get turkey slices in the pack (laughs) where they can be served. So hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday next week. And Clark Stinks is really important to me that we're about to talk about. It's where you let me know where the advice, information, or opinion I give is out to lunch. And in complete whatever, it's really, really helpful to me to hear how you feel and what you think about what I say. And without further ado, Krista, Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Let's get to it. Let's do it. You said to a caller who was trying to stop a debt collector from contacting them because they had the wrong person that the law was silent about their right to prevent that harassment. However, wouldn't a drop dead letter still work in in practice as long as one is careful not to give the impression they owe the debt? The only way the collector could legally contact them is to acknowledge they don't qualify for protection under the law because they aren't the debtor. Your own template uses the phrase debt you, you allege I owe. So that seems safe enough to send any collection agency, whether or not the debt is legitimate. And that's from Byron. Byron, thank you. This has been a dilemma for me forever. Uh, What to do when you're being harassed by a collector about a debt where they're seeking money from you, the wrong person. I want to add something to this. I don't know that I mentioned the other time. And that is that there's a lot of fake debt collectors that are harassing people trying to get people to pay money that they don't owe. The collector knows they don't owe. They're just trying to intimidate to get money out of you. Do not give money to anybody who claims you owe, hoping that'll just make them go away. You're only going to encourage more bad behavior. So sending a letter saying, stop contacting me further, say, I guess you would need to put a sentence in there, uh, a debt I do not owe, and put that in there, and you're, you're going after the wrong person, it's not me, add some things like that so later they don't try to allege 
that you have acknowledged some level of responsibility for the debt. Okay, and you writing a book. I know I we talked about it, but it keeps, keeps coming, coming up. up and up and up. A couple more this week. I just listened to an episode where Chris asked Clark for another book. My idea of something for Clark to write about may be a happy compromise. Could Clark write a book about his favorite places to travel, experiences to try out while in these places, foods to try, <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> and ways to save while being abroad. My wife and I just got back from a honeymoon in Europe, and a book like this would have been very helpful and enjoyable. Joe. And then someone else also wrote in about your knowledge of convenience stores. That one seemed to be interesting to a lot of people, that you could write about that and, like, your knowledge of grocery stores and all that stuff. Huh. Okay. Well, I just mentally, I've checked out on the book thing uh, after doing 10 books, and... Obviously, there's been post after post from people who want me to write again, and I will I will seriously consider it. I'll go that far. <laughs> you gushed on a recent podcast about your carbon fiber micro wallet, so I ordered one from Amazon for my boyfriend's birthday. <laughs> it came without any literature and had razor sharp edges. My boyfriend really? complained that they were so sharp he was afraid he'd cut himself. Said it hurt just being in his pocket and he was afraid it would cut his pants. Are there different kinds of these wallets? Signed, another Amazon returner. Yeah, I mean, look at this one, Krista. I mean, any sharp edges you can find yours on has, mine? Yours has like rounded edges. Yeah, mine is round around the edges. Mine was, I think... Is it $9, $11? It was very inexpensive. My son says there's no way that this is real carbon fiber, <laughs> but it's great. And my, uh, I was at lunch with one of my first cousins, and she saw me pop this out. And it's got this cute little button on the bottom that pops out your credit cards. And she was like, what is that? And she sent me a text just yesterday showing her new one and how much she loves it. And so I'm sorry you got a bad one and you just got to look around because there are a zillion of these available on Amazon, eBay, and Walmart.com. Mr. Howard, why do you continually... Oh, come on. Mr. Howard, really? <laughs> why do you continually hate on doctors? Why do you assume we are money-grubbing anti-patient villains? Your discussion of balanced billing was wildly one-sided and entirely off-base. I'm a doctor. Many of my peers are forced to perform balanced billing or out of network by no choice of their own. These are good people trying to get paid a fair price for their hard work and years of expertise providing high levels of care. United, Blue Cross, etc. often refuse to negotiate in good faith with small groups. An insurer may pay one group 10 times what they are paying another group, leaving the second group unable to stay in business. When insurance companies offer you less reimbursement than the cost to provide a service, what are you supposed to do? Physician salaries comprise less than 10% of healthcare expenditures and are not keeping pace with inflation. And that's from David. David, uh, thank you. And the only thing I would tell you I'm upset about is he didn't call me Clark. <laughs> but the balance billing thing, the problem has been that the consumer in medicine and medicine alone, there's nothing else we do in our lives where after the fact, after we've already consumed the service, that then we get hit with bill shock. The problem for me is not necessarily the, um, the fight going on behind the curtain. 
between doctor groups, individual doctors, and insurance companies over reimbursements. The problem is that medicine is not transparent with costs. And I want to take you to a different profession, dentistry. Dentistry operates totally differently in the United States because insurance companies haven't messed it up. So in dentistry, I can call just about any dentist for a complicated procedure, and they will tell me what it's going to cost before that procedure is done. In medicine, there's no equivalent. The industry has fought tooth and nail against price disclosure. And if we expect consumers to be intelligent, smart shoppers, we've got to give people the tools and ability up front before services are rendered to shop for price, to shop for service, and make that decision we do every single day. So here I am in a really inexpensive golf shirt. I could choose to buy a more expensive golf shirt, but I want to buy a cheaper one. And we do that kind of thing with everything we buy every single day, everything we do, every service we consume, every product we buy. So medicine stands apart and alone and is 20% of the U.S. economy is the only sector that has fought against having full price transparency or disclosure. So people after the fact, after services have been rendered, are then trying to deal with costs they didn't anticipate or expect. If somebody knew up front, they could say, well, gosh, he or she is the greatest doctor ever. I've heard great things about him. I'm willing to pay that extra money. Or I can't afford that. I'll never be able to pay that bill. I'd really like for he or she to be part of my care, but I can't do it, and they go somewhere else. So my beef is not with what is a fair amount for you to be able to charge for your services. It is that the consumer is not given the ability to make a decision up front. A listener submitted a question asking for help regarding the return of his or her refundable deposit on a Tesla roof, and you commented that the best course of action is through social media. I recommend they file a small claims action and have the paper served on Tesla's registered agent for that state. Tesla will be forced to respond, and I would imagine the matter would easily be won by the listener. Yes, it's a little effort, but for $1,000, I think it's worth it. As an in-house counsel for several Fortune 50 companies, I can tell you this will get more attention than you think. As a footnote, many jurisdictions do not allow an attorney to respond to a small claims action, forcing business persons with the company to get involved, which gives the listener more leverage in resolving the matter. And P.S., at your recommendation, I purchased $10,000 of I-bonds in the late 90s, which are now worth almost three times. Thanks. And that's from Clark Wannabe, a.k.a. Michael. Michael, thank you very much for that suggestion. It's a suggestion I don't make enough. The reason I kind of excised it from something I recommended to people is that small claims court actions have not really been uh, being heard for the last 21 months because of COVID and the civil courts are way backed up. And that has affected small claims court actions. But that is a really good suggestion and one I should probably put back in the toolbox. 
Clark said he's allergic to basmati. I think it's called rice. We were calling it basmati. I was shocked to hear that his family would even want it in the house. That totally stinks. Furthermore, buying individual packs of microwavable rice is extremely uneconomical. I buy big bags of rice at Walmart or Costco and cook it myself in the microwave in a little rice cooker that I bought on Amazon for like $10 and I use it all the time. It could not be any easier, but it does take about 10 to 15 minutes as opposed to one minute. But the monetary savings is immense. Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you for that suggestion. I've been buying uh, Lane and Grant the basmati rice or however you uh, we had people say I wasn't saying it right. However you say that rice at Aldi and Lidl for $1.19 or $1.29 a pack. And yes, you're right. We could save money doing it the other way. But if you've ever had a teenager in your house telling them it's going to be 10 to 15 minutes till something is done, you might as well tell them it'll be a year and a half. So, yes, I am wasting some money buying it that way. As for having it in the house, it's clearly labeled, I never have it, and I feel pretty protected from it. We have a a daughter, Steffi, who has peanut and nut death allergy, where Uh, full anaphylactic shock leading to death. She has to travel everywhere with two EpiPens. So we are a very allergy-sensitive household, and we all know how to play that game. The basmati, or however you say it, goes in a separate place from other food items we have in the house. So there would never be a mistake. Phew, I was in the McDonald's drive-thru getting my dollar coffee when I thought I was driving past an outhouse. Ooh, I like that. You advised an AT&T customer whose phone was automatically upgraded to a free smartphone because her old phone was only 3G compliant. You accurately mentioned that many legacy devices are being left behind, such as first alert medical buttons and home security systems. You neglected to mention that a customer who is so set in her ways as to have a 3G phone an AT&T cell phone plan needs to reassess this type of phone plan she's enrolled in. Her wallet will thank her by moving away from traditional cell phone carriers, and that's from Kyle. I mean, that could have been from Dallas of our, our Clark team who writes about all these inexpensive plan. cell phone plans available from so many people. And if you are, that's a great thought. If you are a very light user of cell phones and somebody who's still sitting with a legacy 3G phone, is not using data uh, really probably at all or much at all. There are plans that are so dirt cheap compared to what you might be paying with AT&T, T-Mobile, or Verizon. There are a lot of plans out in the marketplace that are in the range of about $10 a month. And that is a great post, and I should have said something like that. I was so focused on what was going on with the 3G stuff that I missed a bigger, better answer. Clark does not stink at all. Just wanted to share a simple idea for his dormant TV after football season is over. YouTube has fantastic free streaming nature videos and peaceful music. That's from Victor. Well, Victor, thank you. My wife actually does watch TV, so it's an exaggeration when I say the TV goes dark when the Super Bowl ends each year and doesn't come back alive till September. Um, actually, whenever the first college game kicks off, I'm not a big college football fan, but I miss football so much that whenever those first college games come on, which is usually two weeks before the NFL, I turn the TV on to watch that. And that's all I ever watch is football. But the TV, 
um, does not get as much use outside of football season. And did I tell how I have the second TV to watch uh, that I store under a sofa in the living room (laughs) and I pop it up on Sundays and put it on a chair and I'm watching on one, I'm watching NFL Sunday ticket and the other, I'm watching a broadcast game. I'm going back and forth crazy with the remote. I mean, I have an obsessive problem (laughs) about the NFL. It's not the worst problem to have. I guess it's better than other addictions, right? (laughs) Well, coming up next, there's a lot of retail news I want you to know as we are in the heart of the Christmas shopping season, both good for your wallet and ugly for your wallet. So here we are with the first two waves of sales for Christmas that in Black Friday month are already pretty much in the rearview mirror, and I want to report some good news finally at a time that the bad news has been coming aplenty with pricing and inflation, that the big box retailers seem to be much better stocked for Christmas than anybody anticipated. I think even maybe that the big boxes expected. Walmart reported in full detail that their sales have been way up in the most recent reporting period. And their inventory is roughly about, I think it's 11 or 12 percentage points higher at this point than it was a year ago for the Christmas shopping season. Uh, Home Depot just reported really, really great sales numbers. And Home Depot, surprisingly enough, has figured out how to get into the whole Christmas selling wave and they are running deals right now. And they are deals, not non-deal deals. You're going to find that a lot of items this Christmas selling season are going to be affordable. And some are not at all. So what's not affordable? The hottest game machines. Absolutely not. Um, the Apple has had a real disappointment that they failed to properly planned for demand, and they're way short of the new iPhone 13. So maybe 13 is an unlucky number for Apple, and so that is a problem in the marketplace. Samsung seems to be better supplied. TVs are outrageously expensive through this Christmas selling season. Because of the chip shortage, the manufacturers are only making the full-featured, really expensive TVs. The only part of the TV market that seems to be a deal for the Christmas shopping season, okay, this is funny, but think of TVs that cover the wall, the 85-inch TVs, plus or minus an inch. They are at the lowest price they've ever been. Because as the TV manufacturers all decided to take their chips and put them in more expensive TVs, they basically overproduced at the giant end of TVs. So you're going to find deals this month and into next for the giant, giant, giant ones. If you've got a space that can take an 85-inch TV, well, this is a pretty good time for your wallet. On the other hand, normally in a normal Thanksgiving cycle, Christmas selling cycle, over the last several years, 
the bargain price TVs were all 55 inches, all around 100 and something dollars for off brands, 200 and something for name brands. You're not going to see anything like that this Christmas season. The prices are all higher. Computers, cheaper than they were last year. Computers, after being in short supply with the pivot to homeschool and people working at home, particularly with the kids back in the classroom, computers are now in very large inventory. The prices of them have been coming down. The sales on them, really good. So it's a mixed bag. What's a deal and what's not this Christmas season? And a lot of things like the PlayStation 5, it's like if you can even find one, you're paying full retail sticker or above. And that's pretty ugly. As with any hot in-demand item, it is today, you give it a little bit of time, they'll be available and people walk right past them on end caps. So it's all about being flexible in a time of rising prices and what you buy, what you choose not to buy. And I just want you to be really careful with what you spend. All right, so Krista, there's a quiz for you. Oh, boy. What clothing items sold like crazy last year that are now in oversupply this Christmas selling Pajamas. Season? Leisure wear. Uh, leisure wear. You got it. That any uh, athleisure, any, um, you know, because so many people who normally worked in an office and suddenly were working from yeah. home, they were dressing all-time casual. I mean, like, You can just, have, like, business on the top, like a blouse, and then wear your comfy Just make sure pants. you're wearing stuff. Yeah. You know, there are no, too many no, things yeah. with the Zooms with people not wearing enough clothes. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> this Christmas selling season, there are a lot, a lot of deals available on athletic wear, leisure wear, and all that because as – more people who were working at home have pivoted at least part-time back in the office. People are dressing a little nicer now. People going out, they're dressing nicer to go out. And so we've had this complete reversal and a lot of clearance deals on the more casual clothing. So the market never stops changing. It's up to you and me to zig when it zags, you know, that it when it's Demand's really strong in one place. Go where it's weak and take advantage of that. Um, One area that normally is very heavily advertised all the way up to Christmas Eve, giving somebody an SUV or a car as a Christmas gift. Don't do it this year. Unless you have money you want to just burn, do not get a new vehicle this year. I mean, it's unbelievable the shortage of vehicles available for sale and what you have to pay with dealers on new vehicles throwing out MSRP and charging thousands of dollars into the tens of thousands of dollars above manufacturer suggested retail price. So you just keep driving what you're driving. And sometime next year, if you're into giving a vehicle as a gift, will be a much better time to do that. And this is true whether you want to give somebody a used vehicle or a new one. 
Krista? Okay, Clark. Well, you talked about your love for the NFL, which we all know about uh, earlier in Clark Stinks, and this came in from Eddie in, Ohio, in Idaho. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> you got to explain that inside joke. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys are uh, doing really well, and they just embarrassed my Atlanta Falcons, winning by roughly six touchdowns, and the game was never close after the first few seconds. So it's really something. The Cowboys are a real benefit to the NFL when they do well because the Cowboys, the original America's team, they have fans all over the country like we just heard from Idaho. And so the league's got to be really, really happy when they do well. The league benefits from certain teams doing well in a season. And here's a quiz for you. This is my second quiz for you. Oh, my gosh. What cities have the strongest fan engagement in the NFL? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. I'm going to say Dallas and um, uh, New York. Nope. Uh, Boston. Boston. It is uh, Green Bay. Oh, that's right. Buffalo, Pittsburgh. You know, the places in the Midwest that people – live for every single Sunday of the 17-game season and then if their team makes it in the playoffs. The, in fact, I saw the TV ratings in those markets and the TV ratings are so much higher for the teams than it is in some of the other markets in the country. And the big gap seems to be places in the United States where people came from elsewhere to live there. So pretty much everywhere fast growing in the South and the West. And you could see that. You mentioned the Patriots. When the Los Angeles Rams and the Patriots played in the Super Bowl a few years ago, it was a home game for the Patriots because L.A. does not have a loyal fan base at all. And the Patriots, well, I mean, it helps to be a winner year after year, but they have long had a very loyal fan base. And what does this have to do with consumer advice? Nothing, but I, Michael in Tennessee does need some advice. My wife and I have been maxing out our Roths each year for a few years now, making a single contribution with our tax refunds or annual bonuses when they're available. However, last year during COVID, I got cold feet in moving our contribution from the fund's cash account into an actual low-cost index fund. I've been predicting a significant market downturn for over 18 months now, but the market keeps going up. How should I remediate my cold feet behavior with last year's contribution and now 2021 that I'm about to make? Thanks for your guidance. So, Michael, this is tough because the U.S. stock market is significantly overvalued based by historical measures. And we are going to have what's known as reversion to mean, where the returns will be lower over a many-year period than they have been in the past, let's say, since 2009 till today, over these last 12 years, because we've got to get back to more historical averages. So it doesn't mean that you have to have an all-out crash, you have to have an extended bear market, you will have corrections, but what it can mean instead is not anything that dramatic. It just means that stocks kind of uh, run in place for a significant period of time till earnings catch up 
with the values that the shares hold. So I'm not freaking out at all. And I could be wrong. We could have an ugly, steep decline. But the time in the market is what matters, and eventually that recovers too. So if you wanted a possible hedge, and this gets me into an area I'm not fond of doing where I'm giving targeted investment advice, but generally what a lot of uh, analysts are recommending is that you do more of your investing in overseas holdings than U.S. where values are not run up like ours as a potential way to diversify further from a domestic index fund that maybe you put some money in an international index fund. But again, that's drilling down probably too specific. There's nothing wrong with you taking the money you have and dollar cost averaging it into the index funds you like to be in, putting little money, little amounts in every month over the next 18 or 24 months where you spread it out rather than trying to jump in or jump out of the investing pool. Well, speaking of investing, this is from Jefferson in Louisiana. I'm trying to pre-plan my 2022 budget. For those 49 and younger, the Roth 401k contribution limits are 20500 and Roth IRA 6000 For fi- those 50 and older, they're 27000 and 7000 respectively. In the last half of 2022, I will turn 50. What will my limits be? Well, I got good news for you on two fronts. You are incredible that you are planning your life around putting in the maximum into what's available to you as investment for retirement options with the Roth 401k, the Roth IRA, and this is going to lead you to enormous financial security when you do retire. When you're asking me about the maxes, the percent of people that do the max that they're allowed to in the combination of 401ks and Roths is a tiny, tiny percent. I think it's a little over 1%, maybe. It's very, very small. The good news for you, because there's second good news, is that if you turn 50 at any time in 22, you're covered as if you turn 50 on January 1st. So you are allowed catch up for both of these accounts through 22. So I want to thank you for being part of our community. I hope you learn something on every podcast that's helpful to you and also to others in your life. And speaking of others in my life, I get to be with family all next week. And so there will be no podcasts because a dying man never said he wished he spent more time in his work. And it's a special thing to be able to be with family if you enjoy your family. It's a different thing if you have to be with family and you don't enjoy them. I hope whatever you do for the Thanksgiving holiday week, that it is an outstanding week for you and your family.